I wanted to create a space where I could support parents who had young boys who were struggling and connect the dots for them and give them peaceful parenting practices and increase their confidence so that they actually had something tangible to use. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 392. Today, we're talking about how to handle boys and aggression with Tasha Shore. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast, my friends. So glad you're here. Listen, make sure you're subscribed. Don't miss any of them. They come out on Tuesdays. And please, please, please go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. It just helps this podcast grow more. It reaches more people. It makes a huge difference. And I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Honestly, it just takes 30 seconds. Thank you. And today we have an awesome, awesome conversation with Tasha Shore, the creator of all things Parenting Boys Peacefully, including her 10-day reconnect an online group experienced, shared by over 15,000 parents worldwide. She's the co-author of Listen, Five Simple Tools to Meet Your Everyday Parenting Challenges, and a trainer in hand-in-hand parenting. And we're going to talk about boys. You might have a boy, you might have like a toddler or preschooler and see them acting aggressively and have no idea what the heck to do about that. It's confusing. It's scary. You're not modeling that behavior in your home, right? Like what do you do about it? And we're going to talk about what to do about it. So this is a really valuable episode. So join me at the table as I talk to Tasha Shore. Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open. At mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. Tasha, welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me back, Hunter. It's been quite a while. It's been a while. I'm excited to talk to you because people worry about boys and girls and the differences and the challenges, et cetera. So we're going to talk today about boys and aggression, which I'm excited to talk to you about. But first, give us like a little bit of recap on background. Why are you so fascinated about in talking about boys? 
So my business is called Parenting Boys Peacefully, and the mission that we have is to create a more peaceful world one sweet boy at a time. And I focus on boys for a lot of different reasons. I think people started coming to me originally as a parent coach with their boys who were struggling because I have raised or am raising <laughs> uh, three, three boys of my own um, with, their, with, with plenty of challenges. And I think people see, wow, okay, if she can do it, then then she can maybe help me do it too. So there's the personal aspect. But for me, there's a real political element. And my background is in women's studies and as a feminist. And I've always been very um, active in promoting women's rights and working towards women's rights. And when I birthed three boys who I loved more than anything in the world, I realized that I needed to reframe some of my thinking about men's um, position in the world boys' positions in the world, their roles that they play. And so it was a real opportunity for me to do that. And and because I, I had to figure out, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but I had to figure out how to advocate for my boys, oftentimes despite behaviors that I didn't feel proud of. And 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 that was a challenge. And then even 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 more politically, I will say that, you know, parents who come to me are scared. Mm-hmm. They are seeing all sorts of violence in the media. We're in a in an area, uh, I'm sorry, a period in, for sure in the United States where gun violence is is out of control. Um, mostly boys and young men who who are perpetrating the violence, but there's all sorts of violence. Again, most of it perpetrated by men, and and we as parents of young boys see aggression in the little ones and fly forward however many years and are terrified that our boys are going to turn into those men. And so it might sound to somebody who doesn't have a young boy who's struggling with aggression that that's just totally wacky and and out of proportion. But that's the reality of what goes through our minds. And so we I wanted to create a space where I could support parents who had young boys who were struggling and connect the dots for them and and give them peaceful parenting practices and increase their confidence so that they actually had something tangible to to use to help their boys through the challenging behaviors when they were little so that they could ease their minds and and and, and be confident that their kid wasn't going to be the next school shooter, that their kid wasn't going to, you know, be the guy in the dorm who raped the girl. I mean, this is just the reality. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Those are fears that I've never had to confront as a mom of girls. You know, they're they're you know, they've got their aggression, but that's not ever something I've ever had to consider. What do you see as some of like your part of world group along with myself and other people who were, were there's a, a movement right away from like the old school traditional paradigms of parenting and there's a movement towards peaceful, conscious, mindful parenting. And I'm curious about what do you see as kind of the old traditional authoritarian methods that have not helped boys and why? Well, let me just tell you about a parent that I was working with yesterday, a dad. Okay. He came to me with his partner. Um, They have a five-year-old who is struggling. He is um, hurting himself, banging his head against the wall, throwing things, breaking things, going after his baby brother, um, you know, hitting his parents. I mean, there's a lot of aggression happening. And they're terrified. And when they came to me, I've only been working with them for two weeks. So when they came to me at first, this is not very long ago, they were literally frozen in fear. So much so that I couldn't even teach them any practical tools yet. I just said straight up, look, we've got to get you into good enough parenting shape to even be able to try any of these things. You're so scared that you're frozen. And so we, I mean, I'm obviously paraphrasing, right? <laughs> Not necessarily I would talk directly to the parent, but <laughs> but um, yesterday when I talked to him, this is one week later, he looked completely different. Like he was much more relaxed and he shared, I always start out with having them, having my clients like share a win, a time when they felt proud of themselves as a parent or a time when they felt particularly connected to their sweet boy. And he was able to share many. And he said, actually, things are going a lot better. And and I asked him why. And what, you know, he had several reasons. And what, one of the reasons was that he said he had been really fearful of letting go of the more traditional, 
harsher methods of discipline because he felt like peaceful parenting was just sort of being a pushover. Uh And he didn't want to be that. And he didn't want to model that for his kids. And he said, but what I've noticed is that the harsher I come in, the more upset I get and the harsher I am with my punishment. Coming back to your question, you know, if I put him on timeout, if I isolate him, if I yell, if I raise my voice, if I shame him in any way, he said the behaviors just like skyrocket immediately. Like it's an immediate, it's like throwing um, lighter fluid on a fire. It just explodes in my face, he said. <sighs> and he said, but, but, but I, so I'm realizing that like this is the only way that I have to do the work so that I can stay calm and show up. And like when I'm able to be playful, for example, or, or remember that he's struggling and I'm the adult here to help him, things go much better. He said, we've actually had like much less aggression this week than we've had in a long time. I love that story. That's such a great example in an incredibly short amount of time. But, but I mean, do you, you know, I can imagine you see that a lot because if, if you start to take away the adult behaviors that are aggressive, right? we start to just stop being aggressive, triggering our kids' fight, flight, or freeze response and adding all that, you know, negative energy and and to that, you know, stop like bringing the fist to the fist, right? There's going to be like a radical transformation. I'm sure you, that happens fairly often. Absolutely. And parents come to me typically wanting to fix their boy. Something's terribly wrong with him, like help me get him to stop doing X or start doing Y. Um, and over and over again, I have to say to parents, like, we're looking at this backwards, right? You're coming to me and you're wanting him to change so that you can change, right? I'll stop. I'll stop getting mad. I'll stop yelling at him. I'll stop sending him on a timeout if he stops hitting his little brother. And I have to reframe and say, no, no, actually, that's not the way it works. It works the other way. We have to get ourselves into good enough parenting shape first. And when we're able to change our behaviors, (laughs) you will see that you'll be able to implement tools that will allow your sweet boy to change his behaviors. And it can happen quite quickly. But it doesn't happen first kid, then me. It happens first me, then my kid. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, that's such a like succinct and beautiful message. I'm going to be sending many parents to the first five, 10 minutes of this episode. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. Um, I love it. So we're going to get back into some of these tools and techniques and, and modeling and the things that we need to do. But just to kind of go back to the sort of the basics and the questions and the, and the assumptions people have, how is parenting boys different from parenting girls? Well, it's, it's different in a lot of ways, right? You heard some of our fears that we have that you were kind of like, wow, I've never even thought about those things before. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I love that you said that out loud because it just highlights the fact that there, there really is a difference. And the difference is, is, is how the world treats our sweet boys. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, when a girl is struggling, she might be struggling with aggression. She might struggle, be struggling with, you know, any, any, any kind of behavior might be struggling in school. Um, Generally, when a girl is struggling, we look for what systems are failing her, right? What's wrong with the environment? What can we do to make things better so that she can be better? Yet, when a boy is struggling, our go-to is that it's his fault and there's something wrong with him. That's the default. And if we see this all the time in schools, it's just blatant. But, But we do it in our families, too. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. 
So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's a sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. What's an example of that that we may not think of as us thinking there's something wrong with him? Wait, what do you mean? Ask me that. Ask me that again. I'm just thinking about like, I'm trying to think about like if a girl's struggling versus a boy's struggling and a, when a boy struggles, there's something wrong with him. Right. And I'm trying to think about like an example of that way of thinking, you know, because a lot of times we have these ways of thinking that we've just inherited from culture and society and things like that. We don't even realize mm-hmm. that the underlying message of whatever I'm thinking or saying is, for example, like there's something wrong with him. You know, like sometimes we don't even see right. that that's the message right. it is. So I'm just wondering if there's like an example of, of how that comes forward commonly. Yeah. I mean, it comes forward in lots of ways. I mean, I can think of lots of examples. I mean, I think of an example once when one of my kids was was playing soccer and he was cleated and his kind of cleat in his neck, Ooh. you know, and it, it hurt. Yeah, because if you got a cleat in your neck, it would hurt. <laughs> and he was on the soccer field and he was crying and it hurt. And his coach threatened him with not playing the next game if he didn't kind of get his stuff together and, you know, get back up and let's get let's get back to the game kind of a thing. Oh, my gosh. Right. So that's basically saying, like, something is wrong with you that you're responding this way, right? Not like, oh, maybe we should reconsider um, how we respond to a child when they are hurt playing the sport. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have a I don't have any girls, but um, I will say that I can I would bet my life on the fact that a girl playing soccer, the likelihood of her not being um, berated in that way or threatened in that way is about 99 percent. Yeah. Instead, she would get something like, um, oh, you know, a pat on the back or, hey, why don't you go sit on the bench for a few minutes and come back in when you're feeling better? So it's like it's a it's a lack of blame and it's more of an acceptance of the feelings that are there. Um, than than we have with the boys, you know, or or in in school, you know, boys get in trouble a lot more in school than girls do, even for the same behaviors. And we look at suspensions, we look at even expulsions from preschools. I mean, mostly boys, mostly boys. And you know, you've got girls, right? Girls struggle. Girls do dumb things. <laughs> girls get in trouble. <laughs> um, but in a school scenario. 
oftentimes, like if a like you know if a if a boy is yelling out in class, for example, he's much more likely to be sent to the principal's office, um, get time taken off recess, oh. and a girl is much more likely to get a soft warning, oh. um, you know, a, a a whisper, you know, to try to keep it together, or um, uh, and, and even like a discussion, I think, in a staff meeting about, well, you know, what could we do to help? We just, we just, our default is, is we look at them like there's something wrong, right? They have oppositional defiance disorder, they're ADHD, like we're like throwing all these labels at them and they might have labels and that's, that's okay too, but that doesn't mean we don't take the time to both connect with them and look at whether or not the expectations that we have for them are realistic. Yeah. Like maybe we're asking this child to sit still for way too long. I can't believe we still do that. It makes me so mad that we ask kids like the whole thing, like they kindergarten and they're losing recess and things like that. It just is like crazy. Don't we know this by now? Like, come on, people. Like, yeah, I just saw an article this morning. This morning just popped up in my feed. I think it said 250 kids a day are expelled from preschool. Okay, preschool, 250 a day. I think it was in Scientific American, if I'm remembering correctly. And half of those are black boys. Oh, God, that's heartbreaking. Okay. I can assure you, so there's the whole issue of racism. And like we're looking, like our eyes are going to them. We're expecting them to be bad, uh-huh. right? This is in quotation marks. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I can assure you that a huge percent of that other 50% are other boys. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. And and it's this, yeah, and there's this lack of accommodation for, like, the human body that needs to move, that needs to, and children that need to, you know, learn in their own way. It the, it drives me bananas. It drives me bananas. So we also go to worry quicker with boys. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But then that's, we, we also, like, we're so scared, even if we don't realize that we're so scared for, you know, what they're going to do or what their future is going to look like that we we react rather than sort of take a breath and respond. Mm. So we're we're kind of not really sort of staying in the present in that kids will be kids and do dumb things and we have to expect that, right? Like for all kids, that seems to be a problem that we have to remember that kids need lots of repetition to learn things and they're going to make dumb mistakes and they have no impulse control, you know, the last part of the brain to really fully develop, right? Like our expectations, I think, especially for little kids, like are way too hot or way too, yeah, way too high, like for like three to five-year-olds or whatever. And then for boys in general, then you're saying it's like even worse, like you, you're you not even then allowed to have any emotions, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Or make any mistakes. I mean, and I, w- I would mm. I would raise that high end like all the way through middle school, high school Yeah, yeah. for boys. There's just no room for error. Mm-hmm. People get too scared. Mm-hmm. Adults get too scared. Okay. The world outside is treating boys differently. Are there special innate differences that we're looking for between boys and girls? I'm not. I don't care. <laughs> I want my boys to have a good life. I want everybody's boys to have a good life. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, increase in understanding about gender spectrum at the moment, and which I think is amazing, I'm looking at how the world is seeing your child. I mean, your child might have been assigned female at birth, but is walking around the world as a male, and they are going to be treated like my boys. That's the reality. The problem is, I think, us, not them. And, and, and I want to be clear that I'm not saying that their behaviors are okay when they're not. I'm not here to defend um, you know, behaviors, misbehaviors, or we know what, what many would label as quote unquote bad behaviors. I'm not here to defend that. Oh. But I'm saying that we need to understand that there are calls for help uh-huh. and take responsibility as adults for moving in and helping our little guys move through whatever they need to move through, whether that be releasing feelings and healing from emotion or gaining new skills to be able to show up different and 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 stop those behaviors. Punishing them doesn't make them stop the behaviors. It only isolates them, makes them feel ashamed, and kind of locks them in on themselves in a way um, that I think is really dangerous for society, right? They, they learn to not ask for help when life is hard. 
And we need to be asking for help. That's like the theme that for me, it's like the theme of like the year is the fact that we need to be intersecting and interbeing and remembering that we are social creatures so hugely. So when kids show up, let's talk about aggression, because, you know, when kids start having aggression, we get worried and scared. I remember when my girls started being aggressive because like four year olds are physical beings like in a massive way right like it's suddenly it's like wow you can do all these things with your body whoa um and the amount of like physical energy that my girls when they were four needed to burn off was just it was just like i remember it was like a huge it was astounding and then seeing things like seeing things like aggression like hitting and at first my feeling was like where is this coming from this is not what they're seeing. I'm not modeling this. Where is this coming from? What's wrong with my child, right? Like this is a very common way of thinking for parents when we start to see aggression in young kids, right? Yep, yep. I see it all the time. And uh, I mean, I love that you say that because I'm I'm like really not a why person. Um, You know, parents come to me and they're like, well, why is he doing this? Why is he behaving in this way? There is a place for why, Sometimes there is something that we can shift. Um, you know, maybe there's a an adult that's being unkind. Maybe there's bullying going on. Maybe, you know, maybe there are things in the environment that we can change. But 99% of the time, no, 99% of the time, that's just, um, that, that's not, it's, it's not something necessarily um, external. Okay. There's no no big reason, big reason why our kids are, are aggressive. This is just something that comes out like because we're human beings, right? Like we're animals. <laughs> right. I and mean, I should say it's not like there's nothing external, but it's like there's nothing external that we can do anything about. So in other words, it might be like um, there was a divorce. There was a move across the country or across the world. There was a birth of a sibling. There was um, a loss. I mean, there are so many, there's a change in the schools. There are so many things that could trigger aggression in a child um, that we can't do anything about. So when we turn on ourselves like that, and like the why, I think, is because we're blaming ourselves. And, and, and it's not our fault. It's not your fault that your child's acting aggressively. And, and I think that when we dig into the why, we're looking for ways to blame ourselves. Oh, if I just had, you know, if, I, if we hadn't made the move, if we, um, you know, if I hadn't switched to schools, if I hadn't had another child, I mean, whatever it is, and that's just not helpful. Like the reality is, is we can't, we can't change the past and we wouldn't want to change a lot of the past. The question is, what do we do now moving forward? How do we help him um, gain the flexibility to be able to flow with life? Because things don't always pan out the way that we would like them to. So aggression as when it shows up in a young kid is like an unskillful kind of primitive response to like, I'm not, it's like fight, flight, or freeze. Basically, it's that fight piece. It's a fight. Yeah. It's like, I'm stressed. I'm scared. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I would want parents to know about aggression is that it's really almost always just fear in disguise. And if we can remember that, it's so much easier to have empathy for our little guys who are struggling. Because if you think, you know, if you think about a child who's hurt and you have empathy for them, you want to move towards them and, and think creatively about how to help and love them and connect with them. But if you're looking at a child who you feel like is bad, right, if, you, if you don't realize that, it, that it's a call for help, that it's a scared child, but if you're, you're imagining instead that it's a bad child, then it's repulsive, right? We move away. We want to send him away. We want to leave. Uh, that's when we fall into the blame and the shame, you know, all, all the things that, that we're doing that aren't working. So remembering that there's fear there is going to be key, is going to be a key mindset shift in getting yourselves into, into good enough parenting shape to be able to help your boy through the aggression. Okay. All right. So we want to remember mindset, the mindset that there's fear there. But let me let me ask you about a very typical scenario. There's siblings, maybe there's a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and the, you know, the three-year-old is 
an unskillful kid and grabs the toys away from, you know, or destroys the thing the five-year-old is making and the five-year-old pushes down the little sibling or is aggressive in some way to the little sibling. And then what happens a lot of times with the parents in that situation is that, let's say with a mom, is that what I, what I hear is the mama bear thing kicks in, right? And they want to protect, right? That fight, flight, or freeze stress response becomes this protective response for the one who is maybe hurt by the the other child's aggression. How do we apply that mindset to this situation? And maybe how would we start to approach a situation like that? So the first thing to remember is that a child who's hurting another is himself hurting, right? So it's a really good practice, first of all, if you're not there, to not make assumptions about what went down. Because almost always, we tend to have labeled in our minds, this is the aggressor child you know, in quotes for, for the podcast listeners, right? It, this is the aggressive child. And then this is the quote unquote victim. And it doesn't always play out that way. If you're not there, like don't assume you know what went down. So, um, you know, one of the things that's important to remember is if if you weren't there, you don't know what went down. Don't make assumptions. Gotcha. Another thing that's a really good practice, and this isn't really a mindset, but this is really more of a practice. And this is to alternate who you go to because the mindset shift is that both children are hurting, not just the one who might have been pushed over, but both children are hurting. A child will only hurt another if they're hurting inside in some way. Okay. So if you can... Both are hurting. Yeah, they're both hurting. So if if you can remember that, you can conjure up empathy for both of them. Um, so if you switch who you're going to, that also breaks down the tendency that families tend to fall into, which is to end up with a you know aggressor and a victim, so to speak. Um, and instead, what you're looking at is what can you do? How can you facilitate a strong, loving, lasting relationship between the siblings? And that's never going to come by always coming to the rescue of one and blaming the other. That's going to get in the in the way of their relationship. So coming in and um, in that type of situation, in terms of practicality, again, don't make assumptions, but go to the one who you know you feel most drawn to and you can see is hurting in that moment. After you, of course, make sure there's no blood and guts and all of that stuff. Um, and and just just listen. Don't go in being Sherlock Holmes and trying to figure out the why, like we were talking about before. We'll pick it up. But anyway, I was just going to say, like, what I love about what you're describing is this mindset of mindfulness. Like, it's like bring this mindset of non-judgment, bring this mindset of curiosity to this situation. Practice this idea that I don't know what happened and both are hurting. Right. Alternate who you go to. And, and, And when you go to them, don't go to investigate what happened and figure out the why go with the intention of relationship repair. Like, let's not go backwards. Let's be present and let's help resolve the tension in the moment so that they can move forward. I love this. Go with the intention of relationship repair. Yeah, because ultimately that's what needs to happen. It's kind of like what you're saying, like it's useless to kind of think about like why, you know, why is this aggression arising? Like instead, let's think about how we can make it better going forward. And it's just in, in some, a similar way, right? Like go with the intention of relationship repair. Okay, so walk me through uh, a mom or dad responding then to this situation. They're choosing one or the other child. Yeah, and I would walk up to that child. I would get down to their level because, you know, as mammals, we don't want to have somebody um, towering over us that does not allow us to feel safe. So get down to their level um, you do not need to force yourself upon them in terms of like hugs and touch. Like you need to, you need to know your child and some children welcome that and some people, some children don't. Ugh. So feel it out, right? See what makes sense. Um, but you do want them to get that you're there to feel your presence. And you can say something like, I'm sorry I didn't get here in time to keep you safe. Really? And saying something like that, I love because That really is saying loud and clear to your children, I'm the adult here, and I am taking very seriously my responsibility to keep everyone in this family safe. Uh Now, it doesn't mean people say, but isn't that just sort of 
modeling that it's okay what they did. No, it's not. But releasing that, releasing yourself from having to blame somebody, going to the why and then having to blame somebody is allowing the space for their relationship repair to happen. You don't have to do the relationship repair. You don't have to go in and say, well, like, you know, say sorry to your brother. Or, what did you do? Or why did you do that? Or you need to, you know, what all the things that we do. You don't need to. It happens. They know how to repair if we create the space. And so the first step in creating that space is to remove the blame. Yeah. So to move in, be patient, say something like, I'm sorry, I didn't get here in time to keep you safe. Um, and then just listen. Uh. And they will both likely have things to say. Loudly. Right? <laughs> and my, my, yeah, you know, and my next suggestion is don't take the words more seriously than the actions. Mm. Right? We, we listen to these words and we get so caught up in them. Mm. Oh my God, you know, he said he hates his brother. Oh my God, I can't believe I raised a child who hates his brother. Or, or you know, we blame them. Don't, you know, that is not true. You don't hate him. Don't say that. That is so hurtful. We can go to all those places. No, no, no. Just listen. In that moment, all you need to do is listen. And if you've got two who are yelling and screaming and telling you their stories, that's okay. It's loud. It's messy. That is normal. Can you believe me, please? That is normal. Totally normal. That's why we need to build in breaks and support for ourselves, my friends, because it is loud and is messy and we cannot handle that for 24 hours a day, every day, all the time. So pop that in there. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, I love that you're saying loud and messy is normal. That's great. It is. And I want to say that the more you're able to move in in this way and actually listen without trying to fix, the more your little guys are going to be able to let those big feelings out. And those big feelings, those hurts and those upsets that they've kind of accumulated as they've moved through life that come out in these, you know, by through these triggers, like or as a result of these triggers or after these triggers, um, like that's what's driving the challenging behaviors, right? That's what's driving the aggression. So if you can think about it as like a little you know, balloon where you can like, like you know, can let a, a little bit of air out of it, to like the pressure out of it, um, that's kind of what we're doing. Every time you're able to listen into this in this way, a little bit of that pressure comes out. And he's a little bit more 
able to access his thinking part of his brain more often and, quote unquote, do the right thing. And in situations like this, I love your I love this emphasis on listening because that is the goal there, right? That just being present, just listening, just being the space, the power of just really being present and just listening cannot 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 be understated, right? It's 99% of the work of like helping them resolve their problems. And then like when we get to places like to resolve the problems, we can, you know, I mean, I would at that point maybe say when the temperature has gone down, when the pressure has been relieved, oh my God, what a mess. I wonder what we can do to figure this out, right? Like it's just about guiding a conversation and not necessarily it, we're shifting away from judge and jury here. Absolutely. And, and well, you know, for one the one thing as you were talking, I noticed you, you used the word just a lot of times. And and I did also. And you know, just listen. And like I, I want us to get to a place in our parenting worlds where we're not even saying that anymore. Not you and not me, right? Just listen. It's not just listening, it's listening. <laughs> it is super important. Listening. <laughs> It is real. It is big. It is it is the gold nugget. Yes. 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 That's when the angels like the sky opens up and it's Yeah. And it's it's such it's such the gold nugget, Hunter, that like even, you know, you're talking about having the conversations afterwards and, and I think we might have even touched on this last time. I sort of have a recollection of having this conversation a few years ago when we talked, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, that we don't Oftentimes, in fact, most of the time, we don't need to go back and educate. We like if we really think about like that scenario that you shared, right? The three-year-old and the five-year-old. Okay, those kids know it's not okay to knock over the Legos that the other one's playing with. Those kids know okay, know it's not okay to like push over their brothers, right? To 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 hurt each other. Those aren't lessons that they need us to teach them. They know that already. Like they get it. And, and I think we need to move from this place of um, walking around feeling like, you know, they just won't do what they know is the right thing to do, resentment, 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 to a place of, wow, like I'm noticing in these situations, he's not able to be peaceful in his response. I need to take that in as information and I need to come up with a plan, me as the adult, to help him through not expect him to be able to show up differently. That goes back to that piece we talked about earlier, right? Like, first he'll change, then I'll change. No, I need to notice what's going on and come up with a plan. He's doing the best he can. Okay, so the the kind of the after the storm fades conversation. The after party? <laughs> yeah, the after party. This is a, not the after party we want to go to. But anyway, this is... Uh, you know, it's it's not about reiterating the rules. They know the rules. They they know they know they're not supposed to destroy things and all those things. So what is that conversation like when we go and saying, oh, gosh, this is a hard situation. He's been aggressive. He's not able to be peaceful in his responses. You know, how can I support this? Right. And I'm a firm believer that like it's not we don't necessarily have to have every single answer. Like sometimes it comes from a conversation with our kids like, you know, this is a frustrating situation and, and it seems like this is it's hard for you to, you know, you when you push your brother, I, I, I felt sad. I worried. What can we do about this? Right. Like, so what are some of the what are some of the strategies for helping teach kids who have been in, you know, their go to tool has been aggression to teach them more peaceful ways. Yeah. I love this question. And my short answer is we don't need to have those conversations. We really don't. Like the behavior changes as a result of holding loving limits when the aggression arises and listening deeply to the upsets that come out as a result of that in concert with using play strategically, getting silly when you can, upping the laughter in your family, um, building a deep connection with your child by, you know, spending one-on-one -on -one time together, by doing the kinds of things that you know you laugh together when you do them or that make you happy when you do them together, by getting yourself as the parent the support that you need to be able to show up with a calm brain and stay calm and not get confused in those moments and not, you know, not feel like, oh my God, I have this 
horrible boy. I hate him. He's he's bad. Like something's terribly wrong with him. Like not like to keep yourself from going to that place so that you can stay calm and remember, oh, here comes a scared kid. Like, okay, like he's scared. He's struggling. Take a breath. Like, what can I do here? And part of what we can do is calm ourselves down because emotions and feelings are contagious, right? So they can borrow some or calm down. That's like a huge piece. Absolutely. But most of what needs to happen, Hunter, happens before, before the aggression and then during. Like the conversation afterwards, like honestly, like I'm happy for everyone to just drop it. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, I I didn't have conversations with, with my kids after when we were struggling with aggression. I don't coach parents to have conversations afterwards. I think there are scenarios, you know, there are situations where you could say to your child, hey, I noticed that when, um, you know, your brother knocks over your Legos, you know, you, you, you've been kind of hitting him. And I know you don't feel good when you do that. I'm wondering, you now, do you have any ideas um, for, for anything that we can do to, to help you help you react differently or to help you um, yeah, to you know, help you show up differently in those situations. I mean, I'm not even good at this because I don't even have these conversations. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But like, but but this is, but I think my point is, is that that question is asking of him, uh-huh. what do you think you're capable of doing in that situation, rather than me yeah. imposing what I think he should be capable of doing in that situation. And so, um, part B of that, which I have to say, is. Even when you have that conversation and he says, well, I think um, when he does that, I'm going to come get you. I'm going to come get you instead of instead of hitting him or pushing him. You need to know that in the heat of the moment, the chance of that happening is like so low. If you're not doing the listening, (laughs) if you're not doing all the other things I talked about, Mm -hmm. is pretty much a joke. Yeah, it might happen. It might happen once, might happen five, but mostly like. He's not going to be able to do that until he heals from the hurts that are driving the behavior in the first place. We have to pull the roots out of the ground. Um, like the, the, that conversation is really just trying to put a Band-Aid on something and then like going swimming and then Band-Aid keeps falling off. Okay. So what I'm hearing from you is that we have to heal the hurts. We have to like reduce that pressure valve in the first place. Like that's really the solution to like kids' aggression is to really start to release the pressure that's the hurt, the the feelings that building towards it. And that comes from connection. That comes from play. So you're one of like when a child's feeling that connection, when that child's playing, when that child's like, you know, outside every you know for three hours a day and you know maybe connecting with you and all of those things right like having you know having time together having snuggles having rough and tumble play all those things then the problem just is not um arising in the same way right it'll it'll lessen over time it will absolutely lessen over time okay all right beautiful yeah i love it and that mindset shift of remembering that he, he's not bad is really important. We have to show up with the energy of, I see you're struggling and we're going to get through this. Mm. Like That's the difference between that dad I told you about earlier. The first time he came on to talk to me, he was like, oh, my God, like he he is ruining our family. Like he is the problem child. He's making family life miserable for everybody in this house. Versus the second week, seven days later, right, that he came to me and things were going better and he was more relaxed and his perspective had shifted um, and he could say, yeah, you know, I could I can really empathize. I can see how hard it is for him. I can see he doesn't want to do this. And um, I, I can see that when I'm able to stay calm and, and approach him in the ways that we've talked about, whether it be play or a loving limit or just listening or whatever it is, um, that the situation resolves so much more quickly. Yes. And that, you know, like I said before, and like when I don't, when I go back to my old ways, right, the, the old paradigm, the behaviorist paradigm, the, the, the punishments, that type of thing, that, that the behaviors explode. They worsen. And what would what would be an example for the listener who says, "Okay, what's a loving limit?" Like if I say, "Stop hitting your brother," 
Is that a loving limit? <laughs> um, no, I don't even really, I don't call that a limit. I just call that like a pipe dream. <laughs> like, I mean, if you've been saying stop hitting your brother for the last week, two weeks, six months, five years, and it hasn't worked, let's just assume it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> One of the things I always tell parents is like, the first thing you can do is just stop doing everything that's not working. And Right. If you went to work every day and just did the same thing over and over again that wasn't working, you would be fired. Definition of. We do it all the time with parenting. Insanity, right? Yes. <laughs> Total insanity. Yeah. Total insanity. Yeah. 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 So what is the what would a loving limit then look like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what a living what a loving limit would look like would be to come in, get down to their level like we talked about before, not say very much. Perhaps just one line that sends the message, you're loved, you're safe, we're going to get through this kind of a thing. So it might be in that situation that you brought up earlier, um, you might have to physically hold that older child back who's hitting the younger one, right? So you actually might physically have to put your body between the two children and say lovingly, you know, I can't let you hit your brother, sweet boy. You're taking responsibility for making sure the hit doesn't go, you know, the hit doesn't happen. So that's and, and then you're you're listening and not taking personally that older child's upset that comes afterwards. So when he goes into, you know, but he, you know, he ruined my thing I made and he broke this and I hate him and I wish you never had another child. And why'd you have to ruin my life? And you're the worst mom ever and all the things you need to not be like. Oh, 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 like breaking down on yourself, right? Like, like, like curling in and and questioning whether or not you really should have had another child or whatever all the things are. You need to be in good enough parenting shape to be able to recognize that those are just words coming out of a child's mouth who is scared, who is hurt in that moment, and they're just words. And if you can listen through all the way through those words and not try to fix him and not try to stop him because you can't make him stop saying whatever he's saying anyway. But and you can physically, hold, you know, um, stay in the way, get in the way of uh, uh, in between him and his brother so he can't continue the hitting. Uh, then he will come around. He will calm his, you know, his brain, his thinking brain will come back online and he will be able on his own to either apologize or negotiate with his brother about how to share the Legos or something like that. And so often we get to be amazed and in awe of our children and the way that they're able to reconcile when we just get out of the way. But a loving limit basically is come in close, make the limit happen yourself, take responsibility yourself for making like the aggression happen, if it, stop happening if it's happening. So physically getting, you know, getting in between or holding a child back if they're, if they're hitting and then listening to the upset without, without taking it personally. And I might add, not necessarily revisiting the incident afterwards, because that's almost internalized, almost always internalized by that child as shame. Like he didn't, he doesn't want to hurt his brother. Like when he hit his brother, when he pushed his brother, he felt horrible. He felt horrible. He doesn't want to do that. And so bringing it up in that way that we generally do afterwards, you know, a reminder that it was not okay and all of those things just kind of piles up a little bit another little nice layer of shame that we don't want to be piling. We want to we want to instead be watering their good seeds. We want to watering those seeds of connection. We want to water those seeds of that faith and that conviction that they are a, a loving, wonderful, sweet boy and they're they're hurt and struggling. And that that is really the mindset. And I and I all of this requires like a deep sense of grounding in ourselves, which is of course the foundation, right? This is so, so beautiful, Tasha. Thank you so, so very much for sharing your time with us. As always, I really appreciate it. And we talked to Tasha in 2019 and episode 182. If you want to go back and listen to that, if you want more after listening to this um, wonderful conversation, I know I have a page full of notes myself. Uh, Tasha, is there anything we miss that you want to leave us with? And then also, where can people? find you and work you're doing with voice. Gosh, well, we could, we could talk for another five hours. I, I, have, I have so much more to say. <laughs> but one thing that I think I want to leave parents with is you are the perfect person to help your sweet boy through his aggression. 
And I think we we often spend a lot of time trying to fix him, you know, sending him to this professional, the other professional, the other professional to try to figure out what's wrong. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for all, you know, various types of therapies in certain situations. Absolutely there is. And, you know, trust your gut and, and go with that for sure. But um, really the changes that you want are going to come so much more quickly if you trust yourself and build your support systems so that you are able to guide him through his struggles rather than outsource it. There's just nobody who knows him as well as you do. There's nobody who loves him as much as you do. And like I say, like nobody really wants the job. It's not that fun <laughs> when he's when he's struggling with aggression. But but it's totally, you know, turnaroundable, if you will. Mm. It really is. I mean, I, I see parents. I mean, just that story I told you. I mean, I was so excited yesterday talking to this dad. It's been only one week, and things are already shifting. They're not perfect. There's a long way to go, but they're already shifting. Like the, he can already see hope. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that's what I would say. Just trust yourself. Know that you are the perfect person to help your sweet boy through these struggles. And in terms of where to find me, um, on my website, parentingboyspeacefully.com. Thank you so much, Tasha. I really appreciate your insight and your compassion and appreciate your time spent with us today and taking time to fiddle with your tech and all of those things. I really appreciated it. And um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't be happier to have, have you on again to, to have this, these important conversations. Thank you. Thanks, Hunter, so much for inviting me on. I love talking to you always. I so appreciate Tasha's perspective on boys. I think it's so healing and transformative. Hallelujah. Right in line with what we do at Mindful Parenting and really, really compliments it enormously. Thank you, Tasha. I hope you appreciate this podcast and it helps you water your good seeds. And if you like the Mindful Mama podcast, maybe not so much if you don't like it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But if you do like it, go to Apple Podcasts and take just 30 seconds. Leave us a review. Just makes the biggest difference in getting the podcast out to people. And I want to give a shout out to Kimbachi, who left a five-star review saying, called it appreciative listener. And she says, this podcast helps me see my parenting in a better light. I'm learning to check my emotions and it helps me with my kids. Thank you. Thank you, Kimbachi. It is a huge help that you left that review. I thank you. Thank you so much. I would do the applause sound if I could do it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. I hope that you have some moments of connection and peace and joy with those kiddos of yours. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Can't wait to connect with you again next week. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? 
Hi, I'm Hunter Clarkfields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.